Hi, this is Sylvie Curry from Ramona, California, and I'm listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Start the game! Let's go! We'll do it live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure you say whatever? We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Oh. Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show, a show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. We are originating, as we do each and every week, from the barbecue capital of the North Coast and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday night's fun and frivolity show. If you want to jump in this evening, you have a phone call that is going to change the and shake the very foundations of the Live Fire community or an email. Here's how you get in touch. You can get in touch with the show by calling 216-220-0966. Email Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. On the Twitter and Instagram, said BBQ Central Show. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening. Coming up in about 12 minutes from now, a first-time guest. And if you have been displaced because of the coronavirus over the last year, if you are somebody that does a 9 to 5 or longer than that, and you have quite frankly, had enough for going to work for somebody else and you're looking for your own gig, you want to be your own boss, you want to own your own business, and have it relate to the barbecue and grilling sector, then you might just be in luck, especially if it's the first time ever listening to the show. You've tuned in on the right Tuesday night live, and we have an extreme amount of people doing it live here right now. You will enjoy a conversation that I'll have at 14 past the hour with somebody named Jeff Krentzman. He is the owner of a company called The Barbecue Cleaner. And not only is he the owner of it, but he is now telling people and has been for years about a business opportunity. Not a franchise. We'll get well into that next segment. But it's not a franchise, but you will own your own business and you will go around wherever you want. No protected territories or anything like this. To do what, you're asking? What are you going to do? What? Clean people's grills and barbecues. Your service. And if you think that that's a waste, might I make this plea to you with everything else that's going on in the live fire industry right now in the form of technology and connections and web-based items, and cloud-based items. People being told to flip your steak now and pull it off the grill now and let it rest for this amount of time. 
If you can believe that and you can get down with that, there is no doubt in my mind that people will be lining up left and right to take advantage of the barbecue cleaner business that you create. And we will talk with Jeff Krentzman in about 11 minutes from now about that very subject. And we might indeed incite interest. And we'll see where it goes from there. 35 past the hour, of course, since it is the fourth Tuesday of the month. We will be joined by Derek Riches from DerekRiches.com. Plenty to talk with Derek about since our last meeting a month ago, not the least of which is how he's doing. Remember, he moved from Utah, Salt Lake City-ish, to Austin, Texas. And if you've been watching the news and you haven't been living under a rock, you know that Texas in general has been staggered and knocked on its proverbial keister because of some snow and some kind of cold weather. So we'll get an update from Derek, and we'll talk about a bunch of other stuff as well. Then we'll move to the second hour. As I mentioned with Derek, it's fourth Tuesday of the month. You know what that means. A refiring in the second hour of the embedded correspondence. Doug Scheiding from Texas will be joining us. We also have John Solberg from Michigan, who is also the executive producer of the Best Moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less every Friday that goes into the podcast feed. And, of course, the newest embedded correspondent, from Utah, the great city of Utah, Rusty Monson and the pitmaster of Salt City Barbecue. And we will cover all the hot topics in the barbecue and grilling community in the second hour as well. So there's how your show lines up. The barbecue cleaner coming up next, then Derek Riches, then the embedded correspondence in the second hour. Don't forget, you can follow me socially at BBQ Central Show on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Snapchat. You can get live video feeds on Facebook and Twitch slash BBQ Central Show. You can also get a live video feed on YouTube slash RD like Romeo Delta, RD Rempe. And the main clearinghouse for everything after the fact, of course, is the main website or just subscribe to the podcast feed. By the way, let me show you this picture because I had mentioned, I don't know if it was last week or a few weeks ago, that if you hated podcast platforms and podcast apps and all that other stuff, you didn't want to subscribe to the show that way, but you still wanted to subscribe to the feed somehow, I said, hey, you can do that through email, and here it is, right here. If you go to the subscribe tab on the homepage, there is an option for email, and each and every day that a new component or feed item is released, you will get an email. It looks just like this. Subscribed by email. Here's your daily podcast digest. And for instance, I got one that the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less showed up last Friday. And uh, this came at 6 a.m. in the morning. So pretty much right off the bat. And you can just click the listen button right there. It will take you to a page on Blueberry, which is the place that hosts my media, and you can play it right here within the web page. So technically, you are subscribed to the feed. You don't have to use your podcast app if you don't want to, or you're in some type of protest with those, and you can still be alerted to new things in the show. Very easy. If you want to do it by email and no other way, you can do that. You're welcome. Listener feedback from the show last week and such. Got an email from Alan that says, Hey, Greg, you had me laughing for a half hour with the ice-chewing sound effects during your Mo Kason reaction. Great job. What are you talking about? Were there 
ice chomping sound effect going on that I wasn't aware of. Thank you for listening, Alan. Appreciate the feedback. Pete in Texas says, Greg, I really enjoyed the interview with Robert Moss last week. I hope you have him on again. Maybe even a recurring role of some kind. I agree. Thought Robert was a really good first interview. A lot of good history on him. And some Carolina or Carolinian barbecue stuff, as well as some barbecue stuff in general. Fun to talk high level. And as he had mentioned last week, he was under the impression that in the, was it late 80s, did he say, or some point in the 80s, that restaurant barbecue was more or less on the way out. And it has seen quite the resurgence ever since. And we put a face to it, and we call that face Aaron Franklin. And we wondered aloud if Aaron Franklin wasn't even interested in barbecue and didn't start that barbecue stand on the side of the highway or wherever the hell it was in Austin. Would restaurant barbecue and therefore the industry of barbecue seen the continued growth that it has year over year? Likewise, you had folks like a Derek or a Daniel Vaughn or some of these other folks that were in some barbecue-related areas that were also writing about it. And perfect storm type culture. What can I tell you? I don't want to be look at me guy, but if I might be breaking news for a moment. A Barbecue Central Show exclusive news update. Greg Renfrey reporting from the breaking news desk here in the city that breaks all the breaking news across the country, Cleveland, Ohio. And I'm here to tell you something. For years now, We have seen technology come upon grills. We have seen advances in remote thermometering. We have seen as early as last week or as recently as last week connection devices, for instance, from Weber that are going to be giving you a more connected experience than ever, telling you exactly what to do every step of the way from start to stop. And I ask the question, why? Or when will we see a thermostatically controlled gas grill? I've asked Meathead on any number of occasions. We can't seem to hypothesize enough on when this might happen. Well, I can tell you, forget hypotheses or hypotheses or whatever you want to call it. Because yours truly saw a brand spanking new in working for thermostatically controlled gas grill that will not be sold here in the state yet neighbors to the north might get their first dibs on a thermostatically controlled gas grill so keep an ear out I'm not going to give up any more information than that because I don't know. I've signed no NDAs and I don't want to get anybody in trouble. But there's one out there and I have seen it working with my very eyes. So not only is this one of those things that everybody's wondered about where it, why can't we do It's here today in 2021. <laughs> Before we get to Derek, or I'm sorry, before we get to Jeff, I will talk to you quickly about Primo Grills. The website, primogrill.com. They have oval ceramic cookers. Why? Oh, why not? Gives you true two-zone cooking, of course. 
You can stack the coals over on the right side if you want, and you can have a completely void of fire left side. So you can put the meat over no heat and bring it up slowly like a reverse sear or low and slow if you would like. And then you can transfer it over to the right side to do some really hot, fast searing to finish everything off. Now, you can certainly decorate coals from left to right on the oval if you want and just do a direct grilling or a longer, slow and slow session, however you want to do it. But the oval gives you the option of two true two-zone cooking. They have an XL model. They have a Jack Daniels XL model. They have a large model. They have a junior model. If you're one of those folks that just can't get their head around what an oval cooker looks like and you have to have a round one, They can also accommodate that request as well. Even having a ceramic extra-large gas grill. Does that make sense to you? Well, they have one. It's pretty expensive. They don't sell a tremendous amount of them. If you want to stand out from the crowd in your neighborhood, might I suggest that ceramic gas cooker that Primo offers. Take a look for it online yourself. Primo Grill. PrimoGrill.com is the website. You can follow them on social media as well and see what they're up to. A lot of new accessories coming out in 2021 for Primo, so check them out. We're back with the Barbecue Cleaner. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere. The Barbecue Central Show. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by the Barbecue Guru, automatic temperature control technology creators, sellers of ceramic cookers as well with built-in power draft fans and accessories to make your barbecue and grilling life easier. Visit bbqguru.com for more information or call 800-288-GURU. The Barbecue Guru continuing to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology. Hey, my first guest tonight brings to you potentially the opportunity of a lifetime, especially if you have always wanted to A, own your own business, B, or A and B, reversible, have a passion for cleaning grills and like being around people might play especially well for the folks who have been displaced over the past 12 months or so because of the COVID pandemic. Perhaps I have piqued your interest enough. Good. Then let's go ahead and race to the hotline and welcome first timer to the show, the owner of something called the Barbecue Cleaner, Jeff Krentzman joining me. Hey, Jeff. How are you, Greg? Thanks for having me. I'm doing very well and appreciate you making time for the show here this evening, Jeff. So, before we get into the barbecue cleaner talk and all the stuff that's associated with that, just a quick background on you, where you grew up, where you're currently headquartered, and if you've done anything previous to the barbecue cleaner. Sure. Yeah. I grew up in uh, northern New Jersey, where I still am now. Um, I went to uh, college up in Boston. And uh, when I returned in 2002, uh, it was right after 9-11. So the job market in the Northeast was really non-existent uh, and you couldn't find a job. And uh, I had known that I always wanted to do my own thing. Um, it was kind of a passion for me. I didn't really know what it was going to be, but I knew it's what I wanted to do. And I uh, found through an international franchise magazine, actually, a company in the United Kingdom that was doing this uh, concept, very similar over there. Uh, and I had flown across uh, 
the Atlantic Ocean and met with the company and decided to embark on a six-month pilot test here in the northern New Jersey area, uh, cleaning grills, thinking that it would be kind of a niche market. No one was doing it, and there was a need for the service. And really, I mean, just two months into the pilot test, I mean, we had a three-month wait for people to get an appointment with us. It was hard for us to keep up with it. So it was pretty clear and apparent very quickly that, uh, you know, we were going to be successful with it. And, uh, that you know, now we have the opportunity to offer it to other people uh, around the country and Canada. And, you know, we, we now have over 240 locations. So we've been uh, very blessed with a lot of success in a short period of time. So how long ago was this when you first started to when you realized this was going to be pretty viable? We, we knew in 2006 we had a really good business model. Uh, we wanted to fine-tune it to make sure we understood it completely before we offered it to people in other marketplaces. We didn't feel ethically right um, not knowing how to answer someone's question uh, with experience. So we felt then in 2009, hey, you know what? We know what we did. We know what we did that made it work. And we think we have a blueprint and a plan here that someone can replicate it in a different market. And we certainly were right on our assumptions. The program that you fly over to England to study is that also a grill cleaning and barbecue cleaning type business or is it a a cleaner business that you see you could transition into an outside live fire cooking environment great great question it actually is an oven cleaning business the system that we use uh was used for oven cleaning over there in the uk they have a lot of rainy days right and so the grilling atmosphere in the UK is not what it is in North America. So what what had happened here is we really originally had the ambition to bring it here as an oven cleaning company. And you know we, we would be cleaning people's ovens in those first two months and they would say, hey, while you're here, you know what? My grill on my deck needs it or my outdoor kitchen needs it. And we realized that to fine tune it, to get it to be able to do that, we didn't have to do a lot. And the second we ran our first ad, it's never stopped in you know 16 years. Jeff Krentzman joining me here on the show. If you want to check out the website while we're talking, thebbqcleaner.com and uh, kind of see what's happening over there while we chat it up. So you realize pretty quickly that this is going to be viable. How how, how much more quick? How quickly did you realize not only is this going to be a viable business for you, but this was going to be something that you were going to be able to bring to market as a, a so you have the the grill cleaning business, but this could also be a business for other people to get into that you could also capitalize on. Yeah, I think we saw in 2009, in the beginning of 2009, was really kind of where that that piece of the business was born, which was, hey, let's offer the opportunity to people in those other markets. Because like I said, I think what they could replicate the success provided we give them the knowledge, the support, and the guidance to show them how to do it. And um, really, we were that thought was backed by evidence real quickly when our first locations that ever opened up, which are still operational today, and some of them are now multi-unit locations, um, found success right out of the gate like we had. What have the past 12 months been like for your business? As we evaluate a lot of other industries in the live fire business, aside from restaurants, and you know, to be honest, while they probably haven't seen the, the greatest revenues that they would traditionally see, the ones that were able to pivot and go to takeout and curbside, utilize those third-party deliveries. They've been able to at least keep their head above water. Some have really thrived. But other portions of the business saw record, in a good way, record revenues and sales uh, to the point where stock and components were becoming an issue because demand was so high. You're a unique portion of this business, so I'm interested 
to know if you were also seeing record growth and 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 the good stuff. Yeah, we we did, and you know, look, it's it's kind of hard to sit here and say we benefited from it because you hate to say that with all the negativity that came out of COVID nineteen. But from a business point of view, you know, our local location, which we still run here in northern New Jersey and the tri state area, we had a record year in twenty twenty. Um, you know, you have people that are using their grills more than ever. Like you said, you know, restaurants are not doing well. You're not going out to eat and you have people that are home and the money that they're spending or that they would be spending rather in a restaurant, they're now putting towards cleaning their grill or their outdoor kitchen because they're using it at record paces. So a lot of our other locations have had record years in 2020. And actually for 2021, even though we're only two months into it, we're seeing a busier January and February than we've ever seen in the past 16 years. So certainly for people looking to get started in the business, I mean, this is really a unique opportunity for you because you're getting the ability to get into it at a time where business has never been better. I mean, and we certainly expect it to continue throughout the year. Obviously, as we've been talking about the pandemic, it has displaced some folks, uh, maybe some people thought they were pretty secure in their position and you know this just kind of upset a lot of business and how things were going to be run going forward some of those folks are pretty passionate barbecue and grilling folks so this could be an option for those who are perhaps looking to take a different path and own their own business not go back to work for the man or for a corporate rat race and take that step outside of the box be their own boss and dictate their days and business and you know, really earn their success off of their back. So uh, when we look at somebody who is looking into this, uh, what are the, the first things about becoming an operator we need to take into account? Well, I think I think a couple of things. I mean, we, we've now seen with 240 people doing it, you know, so successfully, there's various backgrounds, right? I don't I don't think there's one skill set that somebody needs to have. Um, but what I would say is that there is a common theme among them in that really they're looking for some of the things you just mentioned, right? They don't want to go and work for someone. They want to be their own boss. They want to work from home. They want to set their schedule and they want to own their own business. So those are some of the characteristics we certainly see across the board of all 240 people that what they were looking for, but also then what they find here with us. All right. So before we dig further into what it takes to be an operator um, and from the customer side of things, if I was to contact a barbecue cleaner around my region or if I was in New Jersey and I was in your service area. As a consumer, what am I paying for? Is it a flat fee? Is it a service by service? How does that work? Well, because our locations, they own their their business, they get to set the pricing. Now, we certainly give them guidance on what we think you know, they should be priced at. Again, we give them all the support and all the knowledge they need. Um, the majority of our locations, including us here in northern New Jersey, we do a flat fee approach. It just seems to work better. Um, here, you know, we get $299.90, you know, really $300 for every grill we clean. Now, there is certainly a demographic dependency to some of the pricing, right? Someone in northern New Jersey is going to be able to charge more than, let's say, one of our locations up in Idaho, right? Just it's a cost of living is different. But the national average seems to be between 200 and 250 for cleaning. So it's very good money. It's excellent profit margins. Your overhead is extraordinarily low, right? And you're the one doing the labor. So it's a great, great payday at the end of the day. Is there a typical, I mean, obviously all grills are different. Uh, certainly this crowd knows that different grills are uh, a lot more complicated, but is there a, an average time that one of these guys takes to clean a grill? 
Sure, an, an hour and a half to two hours. Mm-hmm. And that time will go down over time for two reasons. One, you just get more efficient at it, right? Like anything, you know what, you, you get better at the process. But the second thing that happens is the majority of your business over time becomes repeat. And if you've cleaned this grill seven times already, when you go there and you were just there four months prior, it's not going to take you two hours. It's a, it's a lot easier. It's never as long as the first time you're doing a grill. Jeff Krenzman joining me here on the show. TheBBQCleaner.com is the website. And we're talking about the service that they're offering and something that you might be interested in from a owning your own company perspective. This is not a franchise. We've, uh, we haven't mentioned it specifically. It's not a franchise. You had mentioned that the locations own their own businesses. So is this what you would compare to something like a licensing or, or how is this technically classified then? Yeah, licensing is a good word. Another word that we use a lot is a business opportunity. Um, we've seen some people use the word dealership in there. I think it's very important, you know, and it's probably uh, the number one reason. And there's a bunch of reasons people have been so successful. But because we're not a franchise, you're keeping 100% of what you make, right? So at the end of the day, if you're going out and you're you're doing $900 in grill cleaning on a Tuesday, that $900 stays in your pocket. You're not sending, you know, a 7% of your you know, sales for the day back, 2% for advertising, and you own all the equity in your business, right? It's not, you're not part of an, of a nationwide brand per se with the naming. So you own all the equity and that's, that's very, very key for, for these business opportunities. All right, Jeff. So let's say I, Greg Rempe, am interested in starting the barbecue cleaner business here in the rock and roll hall of fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. Let's go through <laughs> a step-by-step process of what it takes for me to own the business uh, from the stop or from the start. Sure. Yeah. So what we do, and we do them almost every day, uh, we do a free 15 minute consultation with people where we kind of, um, you know, over the phone, we go through their background, what they're looking for. We look at their demo, you know, demographic and really try to determine if it's a good fit. The one thing that I like to do, and it's probably, you know, in some ways taking it a step beyond what needs to be done is I like to understand what you're looking for. And I want to make sure that what it is you're looking to get out of this business, you're going to achieve here. I don't have any desire in, in, in you, you know, not finding what you're looking for here. So, you know, we go through that, that 15 minute process. Um, you know, a lot of guys will do a lot of prospects rather as they should, will do a lot of due diligence on us. We encourage them to call any of the 240 locations. You're going to hear a very similar story from whoever you call. Um, and then, you know, we can then talk numbers and, and go from there. And, and I think one of the things that's really nice for people is, th- you know, they can get up and running in six to eight weeks, which is very fast. And we certainly understand their need and desire to be up and running as quickly as possible or else they're not going to be making revenue yet. And they're, they're eager to get started. Is there a, a get started fee? There, there's a one-time fee, yeah, and it's very, very affordable. Um, it's, it's about thirty-five thousand dollars. And if you think about it, you know, we talked about pricing. If you kind of take that number and divide it by, you know, hey, if I'm going to get started at this price point and I'm going to charge this for a grill, how many grills do I have to clean to break even and turn a profit and have a positive ROI? And you know, we have plenty of stories around here where people are turning a positive ROI in three months, which is unheard of really in the startup world. But I would say that the the average that most of um, our locations are seeing from a positive ROI is six to nine months, which is still way beyond, you know, the norm. In the training program, you said you can be up and running about six to eight weeks. What are you covering within that time frame to make somebody an expert? Sure. So the training program is is super critical. Um, We do it where I fly out 
um, or drive really, I guess, depending on where you are, uh, and, and spend some time with you training. So we go over all aspects of the business, right? It's it's what do, what do you need to do to get started? How are you going to market the business? We develop a customized marketing plan. Um, you know, you're, you know, I want to know what you want to, how many girls you want to do a week, and then we're going to develop the most cost-effective plan to get you to that number. Uh, we go through, obviously, all the tangible things, how to use the system, et cetera. The one thing I always say to people about training, and they always like to hear this, is is, is training is never your one opportunity to get your questions out, you know, and put pressure on you on that uh, during it. The, we have all the ongoing support here. So you have ongoing support for whatever you need. Any questions down the road, we're here to answer. I mean, we still get questions from some locations now that have been business 11 years and we're more than happy to help them, you know, whenever there's a question along the way. There are current, there's always new grills coming out each and every year. So from that aspect are, is the ongoing training covering whatever new revisions there are or, is this something where the Genesis line from Weber has these new revisions this year, but what you're doing really isn't going to change from one year to the next? It's not going to change. And the Genesis is probably one of the more popular grills that I clean, right? And there's different levels of the Genesis, as I'm sure you know. Yep. Uh, Weber Summit, you know, Weber's nicest grill. There's different levels of the Summit as well. But regardless of the type of grill that's out there, you know, the process is all the same. The system is so incredible, right? And it's important that it's a one-man job, so you don't need to pay a second person. It's an hour and a half to two hours, so it's efficient because you're getting paid here by the job, not by the hour. But the third piece of that, which is is extremely important, is it's delivering a customer satisfaction level of 99% and higher. So that customer is going to use you time and time again and also refer other friends to you. Is there a typical amount of business you see from your best operators and your mid-level operators and your low low levels or maybe guys are just kind of doing it on the side? Um, yeah, I mean, so that, that would depend on really what you're and how often you want to, you know, push how fast you want to push the pedal down. Right. I mean, we have some guys that do it full time and they have, you know, four or five units on the road. And, you know, I think if I told you what they tell us, they make a year, you'd be, you'd fall over, but it certainly makes sense. And then you have, <laughs> you have some people that say out of the gate, look, you know what? I'm 65. I'm retired. I have a pension coming from some other career in my life. I'm not looking to build some major empire right now. I'm just looking to get out of the house and have some fun. And that's fine too. Now, you know, they would bring the number down, but at the same time, I never look at that as a problem because what they're wanting to get out of the business, they're achieving. So um, it is across the board, but uh, yeah, some of the higher end ones, I mean, if uh, again, I mean, you would be stunned. I mean, are they, they, are they generating gross revenue numbers like in the millions? Uh, I, I think they're a little bit under a million, but I think, uh, you know, th th for some of them being into a business, you know, a couple years and having, you know, a business seven, $800,000 a year in gross sales uh, that you own and you're just continually building year after year and you have the equity in, I would, I mean, they're <laughs> beyond thrilled. No doubt. Um, so you, we talked about how this is not a, a franchise, so no ongoing fees like you were talking about. But are there any specific things that the barbecue cleaner business is mandating or things that they have to do in order to stay in compliance in some degree? Um, not not really. Um, there really isn't. You know, they, they operate under their own independent name. They get the guidance from us, the, uh, you know, ongoing supplies, uh, you know, all the equipment that they need. 
but they're really running it themselves. I mean, you know, I don't think any of them have a desire to to take the system and, and reinvent the wheel and do anything crazy to begin with, or why would they have gotten started with us? But there's not a lot, and a lot of people like the freedom. I mean, it's one of the feedbacks over the years that kind of had surprised me from where we started, which is how many people just simply like the fact they get to make all the decisions on their own. It's their business. They get to run it. So if I if I was buying, you know, one of your products and then I happen to find something that Maybe it's a little less expensive. Uh, seems to work just as good. There's no issue if I buy, you know, Zep degreaser or whatever instead of the barbecue cleaner version. Uh, yeah, no, our our stuff is is priced excellent. I mean, we, so we talked before about the overhead being low, right? Every time our operators go out and clean a grill, their cost and supplies is under five dollars for everything, and it's not just a degreaser. I mean, there's about four or five different things. So we certainly keep the price of our products on the ongoing side very, very low to keep the margins high. As a matter of fact, since 2009, if you ask an operator of ours that was there in the beginning, you know, like one of the first few people, and you said to them, hey, what you pay for in supplies in 2021, how does that compare to 20, uh, you know, 2000? nine the price is the exact same we do, we don't change it we we've kept it the way it is and that's certainly our intention for the long haul what are your goals for the barbecue cleaner how many operators or how many locations would you like to have by the end of the year um you, you know I, look we're always looking uh, to grow i mean the goals i think for 2021 are in line with every other year which is look let's keep it's twofold right so it's it's helping new businesses get started we've certainly seen in two months an overwhelming demand uh, to, for people to get started. And I think COVID has had a lot to do with that. As we talked about, I think this is the perfect time. I don't know that there's been a better time to be in this business right now than the 12 years we've done it than right now. But the second goal is to keep supporting our, you know, our ongoing locations, make sure they keep growing and growing every year. Um, we look, there's nothing better than getting success stories in here every week and hearing positive feedback. So we're going to do everything we can to, can to keep supporting our existing base and make sure those stories keep rolling in. If you are somebody that is interested in touching base with Jeff, go ahead and visit the website, thebbqcleaner.com, and schedule that initial consultation and see if it is right for you. Jeff, really appreciate the time, you coming on and breaking this all down for us. Continued success, and uh, let's chat again soon. You got a great thanks. Great show. Keep up the great work. All right, appreciate it. There he is, Jeff Krentzman from thebbqcleaner.com. So if you are ready to be your own boss, if you want to set your own schedule, and obviously a lot of us really like the whole barbecue and grilling game. I mean, it kind of ties in. To me, it's like, hey, maintenance of a grill or barbecue is part and parcel, but obviously the overwhelming majority of consumers are not living in the same niche that we're living in, gang, and they're happy to pay you 250 or 300 bucks a pop. I'm sure, hey... I saw somebody said, if I have 10 grills, do you get a discount? Well, they're they're independent operators or uh, locations, so they can wheel and deal as they wish. They set their own pricing, as Jeff said. So if you're interested, thebbqcleaner.com. By the way, if you sign up, reach out to me because I want to track your progress, much like we did with uh, Big Hoss One Sauce last year and how we're tracking with Meathead's Rubs. I would love to track that. All right, we got Derek Riches coming up out of the break. I'll talk to you quickly about Pits and Spits. Since 1983, Pits and Spits has been handcrafting smokers and grills in Houston, Texas. And in that time, Pits and Spits established itself as one of the premier brands in high-quality offset smokers and more recently pellet cookers. 
fits and spits, setting itself apart by using heavy 7 and 10 gauge steel in every cooker. Fully welded construction that you can feel when you use the unit. The 304 stainless roll top lid and front shelf on every cooker. So why does it matter? Well, by using higher quality materials, you can reach and maintain temperatures quickly, allowing you to worry more about the meat than the heat. By providing a fully welded smoker, you don't have to worry about grease or smoke leaking out of the barrel. You don't have to worry about that grill rattling apart as you move it through the backyard. By using 304 stainless, you have an heirloom quality piece of equipment you can pass down to your kids. Now, where some companies are focusing on low-cost uh, low providership, Pits and Spits focuses on craftsmanship and using quality materials. Are there cheaper ways to make these? Of course there are. You know there is. But they don't like tack weld, cheap stainless electronics you can't trust. Having in-house manufacturing gives them complete control over their design and standards. That's not something you're going to find in products brought in from overseas. They have steel suppliers giving you the best material to be used in the harshest conditions around. They also have their electronic controllers, which are made right here in the States, giving them unimpeded transparency into the programming. Pits and Spits has a dealer network across the country, but if there isn't one close to you, you can call Koi in the shop, 844-650-6250. That's 844-650-6250. So whether you're a backyard grill master or you're a competition cooking team, Pits and Spits is a product for you. You can check them out at pitsandspits.com. All spelled out, pitsandspits.com. Or see their pits in the wild across all their social media with the handle at Pits and Spits. We are back with Derek Riches. Stick around. We'll be right back. Howard Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. And this portion brought to you by CookinPellets.com, C-O-O-K-I-N, CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. You can visit CookinPellets.com for more information or to purchase. Alternatively, Amazon.com, if you will. Fourth Tuesday of the month at this time segment brings a visit from the most respected barbecue journalist in barbecue journalism. And, of course, being friend of the show, Derek Riches. Hey, Derek. Hey, Greg. How you doing? I'm fine. Are you geared up and ready to start a barbecue cleaner business? I no, hear consideration. No. Yeah. <laughs> no? Uh, no. No. I mean, I, it's a chore enough for me to clean my own, you know? Of course, you're not, making, lot, you're not making $250 to $300 a grill no. when you clean your own, though. I know. Five I know. bucks in, those... in supplies to clean? I mean, that's a pretty healthy, as a business guy, nobody likes a more healthy margin than me. I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's actually not bad. I, I'm impressed by the, the rates. Yeah. So, wow. But, eh, you know, I'll keep it as a backup plan for now. Sounds great to me. Derek Rich is joining us here on the show. So let's start nowhere near live fire talk at the moment. You know, for the majority of your life, as we learned in your origin story, uh, you've been in the hinterlands where snow and cold weather was bountiful. However, recently you've moved to Austin, Texas, where a cold snap and, I don't know, 10 inches of snow brought the entire state to its knees. People literally dying because the infrastructure failed. There was no running water. The list goes on. And for comparison, last Saturday here in Cleveland, Ohio, it snowed 10 inches in three hours. 
We never made it above 20 degrees. With many days below zero and no loss of power and no stoppage of water, full food supplies, and the list goes on. Look, how shocked were you at how ill-equipped Texas was for something like this to happen? Well, you know, when you come from a snowy climate, it's it's always kind of funny when it snows in the south and it's very not the schools all shut down and you know two inches of that and I appreciate the fact that they're not going to invest in snow plows or salt. Um, I saw one and it was you know on a on a twenty year old pickup truck. That was the only snow plow I've seen in the last week. Um, I was a little impressed that building codes and infrastructure just were not designed for freezing temperatures, that nothing, I mean, they shut down a nuclear power plant because it got too cold. Interesting. And I'm not sure the engineering of that. I mean, what kind of thought process goes into, we're gonna design a nuclear power plant, which costs billions of dollars that we have to turn off when the temperature drops below 20. Um, you know, I, I, I knew the roads would suck. I knew that, you know, getting around wouldn't be great when it snows. And I, I planned, honestly, to just like, well, it's going to snow. I'm going to stay in for two days, two or three days. Um, so the cold front hits Sunday, Sunday night, about two, three in the morning, power goes out. Water goes out on Wednesday. And the water goes out because there's no power to pump the water into the towers. Right. So, and then, you know, the issue, it's like, you know, I know that building code where I come from, and I'm assuming Cleveland, Ohio means you can't run water lines through exterior walls because they'll freeze. Right. Well, all the houses down here have water lines that run through the exterior walls, So they're just bursting all over the place. I've got like four people on my street trying to find a plumber um, to fix those issues um yeah it's just i'm impressed about how little thought went into something like this <laughs> um and you know it, it's tragic it, you know I and mean, we oh, can make jokes about it but no you're doubt. right yeah. people have died yes. because you know water lines burst because you know their homes flooded and then froze because they couldn't get to water for five six days because they had pow no power for six days. And, you know, I mean, I'm okay when the overnight low is nine. I mean, I've gone. You've trained for that your whole life. <laughs> yeah, I've gone camping in the mountains in January. It's like, I don't necessarily like the cold. It's not great, but it's not like it's, you know, something I'm not used to, but. Yeah, it's like nine degrees, I think, was close to you know, like record temperatures. Austin City set a record for the most day, continuous days with snow on the ground. It was five. Wow. Um, you know, and I'm used to, well, it's four months with, there's going to be snow in my yard for four months. So, <laughs> um, and, you know, it was 74 today. Yes, so, I heard all about it. It was know, the, the great thaw of 2021. Yeah. yeah. So winter came and went in, in five days, but 
it was a pretty devastating winter. No doubt. Um, uh, as you said, we're not making light. Uh, certainly, it's just uh, crazy yeah. that uh, you know a, a state uh, which also has talked about wanting to secede from the union many times, and there have been many petitions to go up. So, I mean, heaven forbid we would have granted yeah. them well, such secession would have been a nightmare even uh, even further. And the fact that, you know, they're insistent that they not be part of the national power grid because they don't want to rely on the other continental states yes. to, you know, supply them with power in the in, in the event of an emergency. So I'm hoping that there's a little ramification here, you know, that there's some discussion that would be nice. But I'm not counting on it. Time I will tell. Don't trust Time will tell. Derek politics. Rich is joining us here on the show. DerekRiches.com is website, of course. Uh, any news on the Traeger v. GMG front before we tackle some other subjects? Well, uh, Green Mountain Grills issued its response to the International Trade Commission. I think that's been going around the Internet. Yep. Um, basically arguing that these patents are way too vague, way too broad. They impact way too many industries to be upheld. I don't. I never thought that the International Trade Commission was going to take action against Green Mountain Grills. I, I thought that was kind of a long shot on Traeger's part. But um, as far as the, the as the lawsuit goes, the court case. Now we're hearing fall before you know. Yeah, I think I heard anything September might happen. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's kind of the the range I'm kind of hearing is uh, late summer, fallish. But I'm. It's probably Green Mountain Grills. Uh, interest to push it back as far as possible um, just because that, I think that weakens Traeger's position. Um, it gives more time for, you know, possibly someone else to pop up and say, hey, yeah, uh, we don't think these patents are legitimate. So how close do you think everyone else is watching this that has some kind of similar controller or is in somehow related to this in a peripheral sense, depending on how this rules? I mean, there could be a hit list of sorts, couldn't there be? Yeah. Oh, definitely. And I, I think they're keeping a close eye on it. But I think that, that at this point, that's kind of all they're going to do. I mean, if there's a lawsuit, you don't volunteer to become a defendant. So I think that everyone else is going to kind of stay out of the way uh, and see what the ruling is. If I think that, you know, if the courts rule in favor of Traeger, you'll probably see Weber step up and file its own complaints against the patents or, you know, other lawsuits themselves. I mean, they're certainly heavily invested in the idea. So, Obviously. you know, they're not going to let this stand without a fight. It's just the, picking the time when they're going to actually have that battle is kind of the point with that. You know, I've heard through various sources that there actually might be a contingent of like-minded companies looking to get these patents invalidated through uh, the trademark courts, or there's some kind of a streamlined process that you can <laughs> go through to, to invalidate patents. And apparently, according to the person I was talking to, it's something that happens fairly regularly. Have you heard any similar rumbling? Um, I mean, I've heard some suggestions in that area, but I don't think anybody actively involved wants their name out there at this point. I, I, you know, keep the target off your back sort of scenario. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't see... Um, a group of companies um, possibly challenging uh, the patents in patent court, not in, you know, like the regular justice system. 
Um, because, you know, when the patent court ruled and said there, that they didn't see a reason to invalidate those patents, that was based on the time frame, you know, trigger filing for a patent for something that already existed. Uh, the better argument to have had made then, and I think the, the, the argument that wins is that the patents are far too vague and far too broad to be enforceable. So, yeah, I can see that kind of complaint coming out. Um, so that might kill those patents, you know, sometime, but there's no rush to it as long as there's kind of a case and trigger isn't going after you specifically. Derek Rich is joining us here on the show. DerekRiches.com, his website. Derek, twice in as many months, Weber Grills puts out press releases. Last month, it was announcing the ingestion of June this month. Weber announces the release of their Weber-connected line of gas grills, three in the Genesis line, one in the Spirit line. Kevin Coleman was on the show last week to give yeah. us his evaluation and pitch. And to no one's surprise, Kevin says they're going to be the best things ever to hit the market. What do you know about them, and what are your high-level thoughts on having now this added layer of technology on a gas grill? Well... One, Kevin loves Weber. Um, As he should. I, I mean, they employ was, him. <laughs> well, they do, but I, I love I Peterbilt. Mean, it, well, okay, but you know, it's hard for him to go five minutes without reinforcing that idea. But uh, yeah, one, I'm not impressed with the June technology, for one thing. Uh, they took in June the two partners that founded it. One of them will remain running June. The other one is now senior vice president of technology development at Weber, whatever. Uh, June is great. They had, they, um, cause basically they make a, a smart toaster oven. Really? Let, let's be honest with what it is. And, uh, their tagline is really, you, you don't even have to think, um, which is great for people who, who've lived off of microwave oven meals for the last 30 years. But for people who actually enjoy cooking, that's, to me, just horribly insulting. Uh, as far as the smart grill goes, um, so you take a Weber Genesis. So uh, let's take the E315. It's the basic three-burner model. doesn't have anything on it. $799 map price. Um, now you plug into it the Weber Connect device which you can buy for $130. And the, the Weber Connect Grill Hub has four probes, but the Genesis Smart Grill has two probes, and it's $200 more. Yes, but so are you getting the same like, kind of like a flip and read technology yeah. and you know pull it off now and uh, flip this and all of these step-by-step -step and, and the uh, app access to recipes and all this other stuff? Yes, you are, because based, that's the way that's the way Weber Connect works. Weber Connect runs on this app that they've developed. You can use it on any cooking device you want. You can use it on a on a kettle. You know, I mean, they they certainly want you to use it on a Weber grill, but you can use it on any device you want, and it's pretty much going to tell you the same thing. Um, and as far as you know, this being smart, it's it's not terribly smart because it's like. 
I mean, one, it's like, okay, so I want to, I've got some nice thick ribeye steaks. I'm going to put them on my grill. I put the probe in one of my steaks. I put it on the grill. It beeps sometime later and tells me to go out and flip it. I go out and I have my nice Pavlovian response. I run out there, I flip it over. Mm-hmm. And then I sit down and I've got my phone sitting there telling me what the temperature of my steak is. And maybe I want to cook to 140 and I'm looking there and it says 135. Then it says 140, 145, 150, 155. And I realized that my steak's on fire. The device doesn't know that. It's not going to do anything about that. It's not going to come back and go, oh, yeah, we burnt your food. Sorry. Uh, it's dumb. It's just as it's, it's actually kind of in many ways not as smart as other temperature monitoring systems, but it does have a really um, laid out app. So there's recipes in that app. You can sit there and say, hey, I've got, you know, all these different recipes that I can put in the app. Yes. But, you know, uh, I don't, I'm not, I'm not sold on the fact that this is kind of the game changer for, for grilling, particularly like gas grilling. 90% of the times that a gas grill gets fired up, it's burgers, chops, dogs, or chicken. It's, It's four things. And the second time you've cooked the burgers on your new grill, you don't need help anymore. You're good to go. You've probably got this down. Maybe, you know, if you're doing something uh, new or like that, but... You know, they talk about it being good for the beginner, for teaching people how to grill. And then they come back and say, and, the you know, the expert griller will enjoy something. I'm not sure exactly what they were going to enjoy. You were, you were but, able to hone your skills even further. Yes, yes. Yeah. You go from expert to expert plus. Yes. I guess. Like medium and, to medium plus in internal temperature. But, I you know, I, I've talked with um, some retailers uh on in particular, like, um, you know, the higher end Traeger pellet grills, which have a pretty sophisticated app and you want to cook ribs or you want to cook pulled pork or whatever barbecue you want to cook on there. You can kind of, you know, plug in the probe and the Apple monitor and it'll give you advice and tell you about wrapping or, you know, that sort of stuff. And so I'm talking to retailers about those customers that come in and say, oh, I'm new to this. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I want to buy this kind of grill. Will it, you know, will it do it they for get me? the assistance? Yeah. Will this do it for me? And, and they get the assistance. But what I've been, you know, the question I've been asking is, is do these cooks continue to use the app to advise how they cook or do they just fall back to monitoring? And pretty much the answer almost universally is they just fall back to monitoring. And so what you're saying, you know, in other words, they don't use the technology after a certain amount of time. Right. And that's that's what I think is kind of the issue. And I, I think that it's like if the selling point of the product is it has a sophisticated app that will show you exactly how to grill something, that repeat purchases on that basis will be non-existent. Hmm. You're not going to go back and say, I also my, my next grill also needs to be very smart because I'm not. Um, uh, so I don't. I don't see the future in it. Do you not? I, do I you see not, great- not see the future because 
you're not 20 and you're not just coming Maybe. out of college no, I mean, and you aren't you're somebody that grew up without technology and you've made it this far well, you've also yeah. grown with technology and used it to its advantage but a 20 year old has never grown up without technology and it continues to you're advance right. so why wouldn't i want to get it why do i have to learn when this will tell me what to do by the way good devil's advocate on my part but go ahead well, very good devil's advocate on your part. And you're absolutely right. I mean, certainly there's a generation much younger than me that has been using lots of technology. But I mean, I talked to my 25-year-old daughter about this sort of stuff. And she says, yeah, the apps or the technology teach me how to do it. But if it's a simple thing to do, I don't go back to it every time. I mean, she cooks a lot. She looks up recipes. She researches how to cook stuff. And she uses that. But the second time she makes it, maybe she just needs the recipe. She doesn't need the hand-holding method. Um, and that's there's always going to be new people to grilling. There's always going to be new people to barbecue. And maybe this is a good way to teach them. But as a universal marketing tool for we're just going all in on grilling because as we have all learned in the last 20 years, smartphones and apps bring families together. I mean, wasn't that what Kevin said? Something like that. Sharing, I, mean, I haven't noticed sh it. Sharing the best conversations yes. or the most important conversations in the backyard. I don't think he w said anything about a phone. He was just well, saying that the grill okay, was getting could... people in the backyard and they were having discussions of a lifetime. Yeah, because you have to be in the backyard when you have remote monitoring of your grill and you can be in front of the TV instead. Uh, I, I think this is... You, you sound I almost bitter. Maybe. Maybe I am. But maybe it's also I learned that there are cookers that I know and I trust. And I mean, it's like I did a brisket two weeks ago. I took it out at 8 a.m. I put it on. I, I have a, a Big Green Egg XL, which I fired up. I built the fire in. I put the brisket on. I didn't look at it until 2 and I just looked at it to make sure that it was holding the temperature I wanted. And I didn't start testing the temperature until five. That lid stayed closed from eight until five. So maybe that's just me. But, you know, when I talked to all of the names that Kevin tended to drop in his little thing there, all of those people like, no, I trust my cooker and I don't open the lid and I don't need a monitoring device to tell me what my temperatures are. I know. That's what being proficient is about. And it's either we raise a generation of people who don't know actually how to cook, but still cook, or we kind of go, hey, you know what? There, you can become proficient in this by actually practicing and paying attention to what's going on. I, I don't know. I, do, I, I sometimes worry for the future of barbecue because there's uh, so many helper devices out there to try and make it easy. And that, you know, just one point, as these things become smarter and smarter, is KCBS going to allow them into competitions? Where do we draw the line? You know, just an idea. Breaking it down as only he can do, Derek Riches, our fourth Tuesday of the month regular guest. You can read his writings at DerekRiches.com and you find them 
right here on the show at the end of each and every month. Derek, always appreciate the time, and we will look for you in March. Glad to be here. See you then. All right, there he is, Derek Riches. Breaking it fully down. Wow. On fire again. It's funny because I had a similar discussion with Sam the Cooking Guy about where technology is and what are we, you know, some of this stuff we're going to get into next hour with the embedded correspondent, so I don't want to blow it all. But I've had similar conversations with many folks. Some that you would know as live fire folks, others that you wouldn't necessarily know as live fire folks, but it's a great conversation to have and to continue on. I will talk to you quickly about Green Mountain Grills. By the way, Traeger, get off Green Mountain Grills back. What are you doing, bullies? Throw that suit out and let everybody have at it from a business standpoint. What's the better business? I mean, you're valued at $3 billion. You're going IPO. You're looking for somebody to buy that. Take it to the public. Green Mountain Grills shouldn't even be on your radar. Let them go. Let's go. All right, anyway, Choice Line, Prime Line, your options to choose from. Also, a Prime Plus. So if you want to save some bucks, you don't need some of this technology that Derek and I were talking about last segment. You can get the Choice Line. You come to Jim Bowie and Daniel Boone. If you want to nut up for a couple extra hundy, you can go Prime Line. You get a little bit more of a robust build on the chassis. You get peek-in windows on the main cooking chamber and pellet hopper, two internal meat probes, app connectivity, Wi-Fi connectivity, all the fun stuff. Prime Plus to actually give you some headlights in the cooking chamber as well. All up to you. They're selling through Dealer Network, so go to the website, greenmountaingrills.com, and find a dealer nearest you. Then go visit, and fun it shall have. And you'll get all the info you need, so you can be successful right out of the gate. Greenmountaingrill.com. That's greenmountaingrills.com. And we're back to wrap the first hour right after this. Stick around. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. Welcome back. This portion brought to you by Fireboard 2, Fireboard 2 Drive, and Fireboard 2 Pro. You can monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. You can connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via Bluetooth. If you have Alexa or the Google Assistant in your home, you're in luck because Fireboard is fully integrated with both. And you can find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. That's 816-945-2232. Fireboard. All right, we thank Derek Riches once again for joining us last segment and breaking down the state of Texas. I'm sure Doug will have a opinion on the state of Texas over the last week and a half or so. And breaking down any new updates on Traeger v. GMG, not so much. And, of course, the Weber grills and Weber Connect technology that took the balance of the segment. We had like eight other topics to get to. That didn't happen, so they'll carry over into March, which is typically the case. When we get to chatting, there is a cat right to the right side of me. What do you want? Beat it. 
I mean, I straight up hate each and every cat in my house at the moment. And it is not a put on, not fake. I hate each and every one of them for many reasons at this point. The list is long. It's not just cats pissing all over the goddamn place and on my computer stuff, which I have been doing recently. Again, I digress. And we get ready to go to the second hour. So stick around and we'll be right back. 